Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is high. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. Watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at-bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. This is the Graybar Sports Open Line. Goes mid swings and he hits a drive. He hits a slammer. On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. A great bar sports open line does continue right here on KMOX. Happy to go to the Quiver River Electric guest line right now. And we are going to uh, welcome in a uh, hockey insider as uh, you hear him uh, on uh, Sportsnet 590. He's also a hockey analyst for Sportsnet overall. He is uh, Jeff Merrick. You follow him on Twitter. Uh, if you want to do that, you find him at Jeff Merrick. He joins us right now. Jeff, thanks so much for taking some time with us today. How are you? Pleasure is mine, Matt. How are you today? How's everything in St. Louis? Is, is everyone smiling now? Is everything better now? You got the uh, the new coach bump. Everyone got a smile on their face. Yeah, you know it's uh, it's interesting because I think it was a decision that was mostly panned by Blues fans. They love Craig Berube uh, so far, so good. Uh, but uh, you know, jury is still out on what's going to happen. What was your reaction when you saw the Berube had been fired? Uh, surprised, but then like it, it seemed to really sort of come out of nowhere. Like we wondered at the beginning of the season if things didn't go well for St. Louis, you know, what would the changes be? And there was, you know, some talk that maybe Craig Berube was in, in danger here. Um, just like there was some talk last season that um, uh, that Doug uh, that Doug Armstrong um, had considered um, had considered firing Craig Berube, obviously. Uh, didn't pull the trigger on that at that point, but I think a lot of us were sort of caught by surprise. But then, you know, when you when you really, I mean, you guys know this, and Matt, you know this a lot better than I do. You're right there. The one thing about Doug Armstrong is when he makes his mind up about something, he does it. Uh, and we've seen him, you know, come trade deadline, even if his team is close to a playoff spot, uh, he'll say, "Nope, we don't have the team," and all of a sudden, Sassy's gone. And, you know, we've seen him make difficult decisions with, you know, David Backus uh, and the likes. And there was the Alex Petrangelo situation where he held firm on the no move clause. Um, so maybe in hindsight, we, we, we should have um, maybe not have been surprised as we were. But I think a lot of people around the league were shocked that, uh, that Craig Berube got dismissed last week. Hockey is the sport where it seems like we see the most in-season coaching changes. And while Bannister yes. is an interim guy, sometimes these in-season coaching changes happen and you, you just go get the next guy, right? Right in the middle of the season. Is, is that a good or is that a bad thing? I mean, I think it depends on the coach. I think it depends on the personnel. I mean, sometimes it works. I mean, obviously it worked with Craig Berube. I mean, 2018-19 was a tremendous season for the St. Louis Blues and you know, as you'll recall, that was the year where, you know, they were going to send Patrick Maroon down to the down to the minors. And if Patrick Maroon goes down to the minors, he's probably never coming back up and he wouldn't have three Stanley Cup rings. Uh, Jay Bomeister was going to be waived. Like there was a whole ton of stuff uh, 
uh, that was supposed to happen that year. And Craig Brewery himself was a was a was a midseason change. Um, the, the one thing about this season, though, it seems, and again, we're only about a third of the way through, but every single coaching change has been beneficial for the team. Um, whether it's Edmonton uh, and they bring in Chris Knobloch after uh, saying goodbye to Jay Woodcroft, they get the bump. They want an eight-game win streak, and now they've hit a little bit of a speed wobble by losing two, but they've come out the right end of things. Minnesota fires Dean Evason, um, and they bring in John Hines, which was rumored going back to, I guess, the draft in Nashville um, last season when you really break it down, uh, and they get a little bit of a bump. And now Minnesota has has righted the ship, and you know things were going pretty poorly for the St. Louis Blues, and you know in comes uh, in comes Drew Bannister from the American Hockey League, and it looks like they're playing uh, some better hockey. So I, I don't think that there's a sort of hard and fast rule about what's going to work and what's not going to work. Um, I'll tell you one thing though: it is difficult when you make a coaching change. And one of the assistant coaches becomes the head coach because there's a there's a different personality you have to you have to put on when you're the head coach that you didn't when you're the assistant like when you when you're the assistant coach you're like the nice guy like well I'm gonna you know give give all the uh, all the players a soft landing and well here's what the coach is trying to say and don't think that he's being mean to you he's really trying to help you and watch come over for a barbecue me and the wife would love to have you over you go from being the nice guy. To the player who's benching and scratching and, you know, yelling uh, at players. And when the assistant becomes the head coach, sometimes players in that scenario will look at you like you're kind of a fraud. We're seeing that in Columbus right now. Um, and we'll wonder how that situation is going to play itself out. But I think Drew Bannister is interesting. Like, I, I really do. I've got some great stories about Drew. I, I got to know him when he coached Sault Ste. Marie uh, Greyhounds. Um, I don't know much about him as a pro coach but followed him closely, interacted with him a ton when he was a junior hockey coach with the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds. Give me your favorite Drew Bannister story. Oh, man, there's a bunch. So I can recall there was, there was one season where the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds had just graduated a whole bunch of players. Like Sheldon Keefe, the head coach, leaves. He goes and joins Toronto, um, and Drew comes in, and – they graduated Darnell Nurse and Nick Ritchie and Michael Bunting, uh, Anthony D'Angelo, Jared McCann, Sergei Tolchinsky, like really, really high-end players. And Drew takes his team over, and they're expected to do nothing. They have a bunch of young kids who don't belong in the rank with a lot of these older teams. And in the first round of the playoffs, Drew Bannister has these kids they go up three to one against the Sarnia Sting. Now Sarnia was one of the top seeds in the OHL that year. They had Travis Konechny, they had Jacob Chikrin, they had Pavel Zaka, and they had another player you might be familiar with by the name of Jordan Cairo. Mm. And the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds, these bunch of kids, 16 and 17 year olds, absolutely wipe the floor with the Sarnius thing. Now it took seven games eventually, but they eliminated them. One of the biggest upsets uh, of that or any other season in the, uh, in the OHL the next year, they follow it up with one of the best seasons in the history of the league. Uh, Drew Bannister won OHL coach of the year, CHL coach of the year. The team went 55 and seven. 116 points, one of the best regular seasons. I mean, probably top three of all time that we've ever uh, we've ever seen. Morgan Frost was on that team. Barrett Hayton, Taylor Radish, 
Um, Boris Kachuk would have been on that team. Connor Timmins, Rasmus Sandin. And here's the kicker. They go to the, uh, the OHL finals. They're playing against the Hamilton Bulldogs and they lose. So they don't get to go to the Memorial Cup. Guess who was the star of that Hamilton Bulldogs team? Robert Thomas. Real? Okay. <laughs> uh, the St. Louis Blues just totally crushed Drew Bannister's huh. Memorial Cup dreams. And, okay, so you just mentioned both Jordan Cairo and Robert Thomas, and Thomas admittedly is having a pretty good season right now, but Cairo is the guy who's not, and those are the two yeah. big money guys who are expected to score goals and really be leaders and be the young core of whatever the next era of Blues hockey is supposed yep. to be. Is Bannister's number one job here to make sure that Thomas continues to push forward and somehow find a way to unlock Cairo? Not exactly a secret that Jordan Kyrou and Craig Berube did not see eye to eye. It was almost like that from day one uh, with these two, you know. And listen, like in any office or in this case team, not everybody's going to get along with everybody else. Like I know you don't have to like someone to be able to work with them. I'm sure it's like this at, at, at your at your uh, at your place as well, Matt. Uh, it is at mine, but at the same time, you have to figure out a way that you can both work. So I, I do believe that it is, is one of Drew Bannister's top jobs uh, to get Jordan Cairo sort of on track uh, and, and on pace. He's just, he's just too important for the, uh, for the, well, not just for the future, for the right now of the St. Louis Blues, because he really does bring, I mean, you know this, I mean, the, the guy's a burner. Like when you have a speed element like that, I mean, zone entries are easy, right? I mean, all of a sudden, it's like, give it to Kairou. He'll do the zone entry. He'll create the space. Defenseman will back up. And all of a sudden, we'll have all this room to play with in the offensive zone. So, yeah, I, I think one of the top jobs for, for Bannister here is, is to get Kairou on track. And, and can, can I say something about Kairou as well, if, if, if you don't mind yeah. me just going on for a couple of seconds? Um, you know, I watched this from afar. So I wasn't right there. And again, like, I'm not emotionally attached to any NHL team. I'm sort of have like ironic distance between myself and all these teams, but just watching this, you know, um, I think that, you know, obviously if he had a do over, he would have said something different uh, about Craig Berube. I think he was at that point speaking, honestly, they didn't get along. Like it, it's okay. Um, I think the booze really upset him. You saw that in the interview after the game, and I'll tell you, Matt, I got some really good career advice really early in my career by a guy by the name of Lou Skeezus. And Lou Skeezus was a commentator on a, cha- a channel here in Canada called Report on Business Television. He did a, a, a daily business hit uh, on, that, on that TV station. And he said to me, he said, Jeff, you know, in your career, you're going to make mistakes. Like it happens to everybody. It's happened to me, Matt. I'm sure it's happened to you too. Mm-hmm. He said, but here's what you do when you make a mistake here's the three things you have to follow. There's three rules. When you mess up, fess up, and dress up. And that's exactly what Jordan Cairo did. Like he messed up with the initial interview. He fessed up and said, I should have, I, I regret that. I apologize. I should have done something differently. And then he went out and he performed and he played one of the best games we've seen him play for the St. Louis Blues this season. Dropped the F-bomb to Rivers at the uh, the <laughs> ringside interview afterwards. And the whole thing was beautiful. We all had a laugh. Everybody celebrated. And everything was better again. He followed the rule. When you mess up, fess up, and dress up. 
perfect by Jordan Cairo. Yeah, great advice. He is Jeff Merrick, hockey analyst for Sportsnet. You can hear him as well doing the Jeff Merrick Show on Sportsnet 590. Jeff, thanks so much for finding some time for, for us today. We really appreciate your insight. Yeah, no problem. All right, we appreciate him taking a little bit of time with us here on KMWX. By the way, an update on where things are going for the Blues. It's not good. 11 and a half minutes or so to go in the second period. Tampa Bay has a 4 nothing lead. So some of the issues that were existing before the coaching change have reared the proverbial ugly head once again tonight. 4 nothing Tampa right now against the Blues. That game being played in Tampa. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll talk uh, Missouri football recruiting. Gerard Hamilton covers Missouri football for Power Mizzou. It's been a pretty uh, solid day for the Tigers in terms of getting uh, some verbal commits. We'll go through all that coming up in just a moment as we roll on with the Gray Bar Sports Open Line on KMOX. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. This is America's Sports Voice. KMOX. Our sports open line continues here on KMOX. There's a lot going on, and we've got National Signing Day that's going to be uh, coming up tomorrow. Missouri football can continuing to put together the uh, final touches on their 2024 recruiting class. Has been a uh, pretty solid day for them today with a, a handful of commitments. And with that, we're very happy to be able to go back to the Quiver River Electric Guest Line. And we welcome on to uh, the program uh, Gerard Hamilton. He is the Missouri football beat writer for Power Mizzou. You follow him on Twitter at uh, Gerard spelled J-A-R-O-D. So J-A-R-O-D-C Hamilton is the Twitter handle. Gerard, thanks so much for taking some time with us today. How are you? Going well. What's going on? So uh, this uh, recruiting class and specifically the guys that have um, come together today, the three players who have given verbal commitments, just from a, you know, we'll get into a little deeper in them in just a second, but from a general, uh, you know, overview standpoint, how did Missouri do in some of these players that they picked up today? I mean, they, they did they did pretty well. Kind of had the fan base on eggshells uh, yesterday because, to be honest, we just thought, you know, what would happen today? Or what happened today? We thought was going to happen, you know, yesterday. You know, the whole coaching staff and everybody, you know, tweeting, tweeting things that suggested some things like that or whatever. Came a day later, but, I mean, they did well. Um, they got some some key pieces. Uh, they got a, a commit that it, it seems like um, 
you know, maybe they weren't going to get them. And then next thing you know, I'm leaving uh, media day press conferences earlier today. And they're like, uh, you know, drink does the bat signal thing. So, hmm. I mean, they had a great day today. So they bring in a four-star wide receiver in uh, Courtney Crutchfield. Uh, they bring in a, a four-star cornerback uh, from the Nashville area and uh, Jaron Sensabaugh and also an offensive lineman transfer, Caden Green. He's coming in from uh, Oklahoma via the transfer portal. What? Who's the guy of those three that you think will maybe step in and have the, the biggest impact early on? Easily Caden Green. Uh, true freshman this year at Oklahoma. He played about... I know I'm going to mess up the tens place on this one. It's either was like 538 or 568 snaps, something like that, but around, you know, 530, 560 snaps. Uh, I, I do know this 38 of those snaps were at left tackle. Maybe that's where I'm getting mixed up at. Um, but he had a lot of – most of his uh, snaps came at left guard. Um, but I think next year, coming to Missouri, he's slotted to be left tackle opposite of, you know, his former uh, – Lee Summit, North teammate, Armand Mimble, who's a man in uh, right tackle, he'll probably be at left tackle when he comes to Missouri. Uh, that's that's huge considering they have an All-American left tackle and Javon Foster, who's, you know, used all his eligibility and is uh, likely to be, dra- you know, be drafted, uh, you know, first couple of days, you know, in April. So that's a big hole. He's probably the, of the three, he's definitely the one who's going to have an instant impact immediately. This overall 2024 recruiting class, the way it sits right now, and obviously uh, when you talk about recruiting classes, you know, transfer portal doesn't always play into that. But the 2024 recruiting class, as it sits right now, is ranked ninth in the SEC, one five-star player, five four-star players, and then uh, 14 three-star players. Is that good enough? Uh, you know, we, we've just watched the Tigers put together a 10-win season, and obviously they're playing in a big bowl game. And, and the one thing that has been very consistent for Eli Drinkwitz has been his recruiting. Is this being ranked ninth in the SEC? Is, is this a good enough recruiting class? Um, uh, Some of the stuff is, you know, tongue-in-cheek when it comes to, like, rank. It's like, yeah, you need you want your recruiting class to consistently improve and be better. Um, you can't be at the bottom of the league and have sustained success over a period of time. But yeah, when you have a 10 and two team and they've got so many of their, you know, uh, a lot of their foundational pieces coming back, like a Brady cook, a, a Luther burden, a Luther, Luther burden, Armand Mimbu. Um, when you got pieces like that coming back. Yeah. If you don't have, you know, necessarily a top five class, you know, in the season you go 10 and two and you go to the cotton bowl, it's not the it's not the end of the world. Um, before I got on here, um, you know, twenty thirty minutes ago, I was looking at the class of twenty twenty two, had like four or five five star or four or five four stars, excuse me, and none of those players, you know, necessarily panned out. So just because the star ranking says you know one thing, you know, a lot of the work in plenty of college football teams is done by the three stars, or, you know, and those players like that. So. Um, I think looks are deceiving when it comes to the rankings. How tough has it been specifically when it comes to the transfer portal? Uh, Drinkwitz even talked about this in one of his recent media availabilities that maybe more guys are coming back next year than they were originally expecting to come back. That's a good problem to have, but it does at the same time maybe limit what you can do in the portal. Yeah. Uh, it, it, yeah, it's, it's a tricky situation. Like you said, it's a good problem to have because, you know, people want to play for you. And when you have – when it's to the point where 
you can fill, uh, you know, positions or, you know, depth or whatever by competition and not we had to grab somebody in the portal that, you know, just to kind of automatically give them a starting spot or to fill a role. Now with competition everywhere, that's good. But, yeah, they're going to need some players, and I haven't looked at the, you know, with the scholarship count right now, but they're probably still going to need a few more players to probably have to leave and stuff like that. And that's what happens when you're a 10-2 program and you're playing in the New Year's Six Bowl. You start getting that attention. Uh, uh, people, you know, uh, recruits, transfers, all that, they say, you know, I want to I want to go play there. I want to go play in the SEC and stuff like that. And so you kind of have to balance what you got versus what you, you know, what you want to bring in. So it's a little difficult, but like you said, it's a good problem to have. They'd rather have that than just – getting guys to say, oh, we, we got to count on this person to do this. Um, yeah. Do you get the sense that the recruiting class is mostly put together? Or is there still a lot of work going on right now trying to seal the deal on a few more guys before officially getting to that signing period? Yeah, uh, for the most part, this class is, is pretty much done. Um, the, the last person that, you know, pretty confident is probably going to uh, – you know, sign is a Trajan Greco. Uh, that's something that seems like, you know, tomorrow he signs maybe on a, you know, quietly because he's going to be in the All-American game in San Antonio. And, you know, uh, some players obviously like to announce they're in the game or at some point, you know, around the festivities or whatever. So that's, you know, it seems like he's probably going to be someone who signs and we don't officially hear about until, you know, January 6th, I think is when the game is. But, um, for the most part, it seems like that, you know, he's the last guy and that they got, you know, everything situated. He is uh, Gerard Hamilton, covers Missouri uh, football for Power Mizzou. What will folks get uh, at Power Mizzou and rivals here uh, going into this uh, signing period? I oh, mean, it's, it's going to be an early, <laughs> early morning for me. Um, we're going we're gonna to have our, you know, uh, signing day tracker or whatever. We're going to have that updated. So be up early in the morning. Got uh, Gabe Yarman, our publisher. He's going to be at Lee Summit North to see Williams with Mary sign, possibly uh, running to Kate and Green, maybe, or something like that. I don't know. See if we can get something done there. Um, and then we've got Drinkowitz having a presser at 2 or 2.30, something like that tomorrow. Um, so we got a lot of things going on tomorrow. It's going to be a very busy day. Awesome. Great stuff. Gerard, thanks for uh, taking the time, and I'm sure we'll uh, catch up again real soon. All right, man. Appreciate you. All right, very good. There's Gerard Hamilton joining us here on the program. A couple things I want to get to you before we uh, get to break. It continues to be very ugly for the Blues. They are now down 5 nothing to the Lightning. Bennington has been pulled. He's no longer in goal. Joel Hofer, he is in goal now. So uh, just not a good night. Not a good night for uh, for the Blues. And that uh, that happens. Also, uh, City SC, they had a uh, the uh, MLS Super Draft has come to an end, and they swapped their natural second-round pick and also some general allocation money for Nashville's uh, natural first-round pick while also making their third pick. Um, and uh, they see they. I want to make sure I get this person's name pronounced correctly. I'm probably going to mess this up, uh, but uh, they selected Wake Forest. Jose Kijma with the 17th overall pick. And then they pick uh, Providence College's Brendan McSorley with the 79th pick. 
before Akijma started all 18 of his appearances, serving as a team captain. Wake Forest was in the uh, earning his fifth ACC Atlantic Division title in nine seasons. Was a United Soccer Coaches All South Region first teamer, recording eight points on three goals and two assists in four years as a Demon Deacon. 63 games played, nine goals and ten assists. McSorley played four seasons at Providence, 23 goals, five assists in 62 matches played. It's funny, I, I remember vividly the night of the uh, Super Draft last year, and we're doing live coverage of it uh, here. Just to, you know, Now that City's established, it's uh, it's a little bit different, but that did indeed happen, and uh, that's the uh, that's the news of the day coming out of City SC. All right, we're going to talk NFL football. Mike Tanier is going to join us in just a moment, covers the NFL for The Messenger. He's with us in just a moment as we roll on with the Graybar Sports Open Line on KMOX. The Graybar Sports Open Line. Goes mid swings and he hits a drive. He hits a slammer. On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. It's the Graybar Sports Open Line on KMOX. My name is Matt Pauly. Have you for about another 25 minutes at your service. We'll be rolling your way from 8 o'clock to 10 o'clock here on KMOX. We're happy to be able to go to the Quiver River Electric guest line and uh, welcome on to the program one of our favorite people to be able to talk NFL football with. NFL writer for The Messenger, also the co-author of the FTN Almanac, which is just a fantastic resource. He is uh, Mike Tanier. You follow him on Twitter at Mike, T-A-N-I-E-R. Mike, always appreciate you taking a little bit of time with us today. How are you? I'm doing great. Happy to be here. So uh, Seahawks knock off the Eagles at yesterday, 20 to 17. I know anytime we talk, it feels like we talk a lot about the Eagles. Uh, that was an impressive win and an impressive finish last night for Seattle. Impressive finish for Seattle. Impressive finish for Drew Locke coming down the stretch. Several big throws down the stretch against a tough defense. Eagles are reeling a little bit. and The Seahawks definitely playing for their lives here late in the season. So Drew Locke is a guy here in St. Louis that has a, a lot of fans with uh, where he's been. Uh, there hasn't been a lot of talk about him. He's kind of he kind of fell off the NFL map for a while. It's just you know just a little bit of football last night. But can a performance like that kind of get him back out there where maybe it's a chance for him to uh, recharge his career and get some sort of opportunity going into next season? It's, an, uh, it's a chance for him to be taken seriously moving forward as somebody who, you know, could get that chance as the bridge quarterback, can, can be that guy who, like, uh, gets into the place of being, you know, the serviceable backup, the backup you can win some games with. I think that's who he's been for the last couple of years. Again, he kind of he, he lost that opportunity to Geno Smith, and Geno Smith kind of took it and seized it. But we saw the Drew Locke last night, and we did see a little bit of him in Denver a couple of years ago. That big play capability, that was there at Missouri. That was there early in his career. That was always on his scouting report. You know, when he can string together some of those big plays, he can, he can make these things happen. And you saw that last night. And, you know, maybe if he gets some more chances to do that, I think he had a little bit of about the week before it was lost. It was lost because everything is lost when you play the 49ers. Show that, show some of these teams what he can do and get that next chance. I'm in St. Louis, so my, my Twitter algorithm is probably a lot different than, than what yours is, but uh, I over and over and over his post-game interview yesterday yes. was all over my Twitter, and so many people were kind of impressed with uh, the humility, the uh, the ability to just kind of take step back and, and, and give credit to everybody else. It felt like that post-game interview, those three minutes were almost as important as what he did on the field. 
You know, that's what I liked about him coming out of college. I was able to interview him. That was a few years ago now at the Senior Bowl and some other opportunities. Very down-to-earth individual. Somebody who, you know, uh, looked like he had the mentality to take the ups and downs of the NFL. That was a chance to show who he was. You know, there was a little bit when things didn't go well for him with the Broncos. You know, he loses the starting job there. They go in a different direction. There was a little bit of a, you know, nationally eye roll about Drew Locke. Oh, no. Oh, here comes here comes Drew Locke. We got to watch Drew Locke. He's never an eye roll type of quarterback. You know, maybe he's he's not Patrick Mahomes, but he's somebody who can win games in the NFL. He can do those things for you. Seeing this different side of him, seeing this humble, you know, earnest, eager guy who can go out there and beat a Super Bowl caliber team, that's important. I think the fans that might be important to the league as well. Where do the Eagles go from here? Because in the last month or so, their flaws have really come to the forefront. The flaws have come to the forefront. You know, they were an overrated 10 and 1 team. I think they might be even an underrated 10 and 4 team right now as people sort of pick, pick, pick at the things that have gone wrong. For a team, you know, that was winning with like two minutes to play and looked like it had the game sealed up before a couple of completions there. Yeah, the Eagles go to the Giants and, and uh, on uh, Christmas uh, Day and probably win that game. And then they have the Cardinals and Giants again. They probably go to 13 and 4. You know, or, or, or 12 and 5. This is not a lost season. The problem that every team in the NFC and maybe every team in the NFL has right now is that they're not the San Francisco 49ers. And you say, can the Eagles win the Super Bowl? No, because the 49ers will, will crush them. Can the Cowboys win the Super Bowl? Uh, no, because the, the, the 49ers will crush them. You, you know, so maybe the Chiefs or the Ravens, but you look across the NFC, unless something happens, the Niners have proven that not only can they beat these teams, but they can beat these teams by two touchdowns, knock them out of the game, and make it a no contest on the path to the Super Bowl. If we go back a month and a half, the 49ers had lost three in a row, and everybody's freaking out about the fact that maybe they're not as good as, as we thought they were, and they've now rolled off six wins, and they have done so in rather impressive fashion. None of these games have been close. Did, did they get out of their system anything that they needed to during that three-game losing streak? Well, well, they had injuries at that point to Debo Samuel. They had injury to left tackle Trent Williams. I think George Kittle was out for a portion of that, and and they didn't respond well to it. You know, every NFL team has injuries. That's a lot of injuries to their best players. Most teams would not respond well. They did not respond particularly well on offense. I think that was a lot of people say Brock Purdy was exposed in those games, and Brock Purdy did not play well in those games. You take two or three of the best offensive players away from Jalen Hurts or Dak Prescott or anybody south of Mahomes, I don't think they're going to play pretty well, all that well either. So they got these guys back healthy. I think maybe they learned something about themselves along the way, and they've been steamrolling ever since. And, you know, this is as you go into the playoffs, you always say if everyone stays healthy. So it's trite to say, well, the 49ers are fine. As long as everyone stays healthy, that's everybody. Nobody can lose two or three players without falling off the uh, off the uh, you know off the pace a little bit i think for the 49ers you can say they could lose one guy they could lose their quarterback potentially and they're so good right now that they're still going to steamroll just about everything in their path you look at the the super bowl odds and i'm not a big sports gambling guy but the 49ers are at plus 220 to win the super bowl and the the team that has the second best odds is baltimore at at plus 550 so the 49ers have more than twice as strong of odds to win the super bowl than the team with the second best odds do you agree with that is that a legit thing it's legit because, of course, the, you know, the odds makers see what we see. And to win the Super Bowl, you have to reach the Super Bowl. And you say, well, what are the odds to reach the Super Bowl? Well, if you just go for the NFC, the winning the NFC, the Niners are at minus 110. 
their odds to win the NFC are a typical team's odds to just win a game. That's how much favorites the 49ers are. And the Eagles are plus 350, Cowboys plus 475. Everybody else is kind of down the line a little bit. And, you know, the thing is, make your argument for the Eagles or Cowboys to come out of that playoff and beat the, the, the 49ers. It's hard to make that argument because we saw these really crushing losses uh, to the 49ers by these other teams. So that's where you're at. And so if you make the Super Bowl, that means you have a pretty good chance of winning it. And that's why the Niners are so far ahead of the Ravens, the Chiefs. These teams could all beat each other and not even give themselves the opportunity to get that chance. Speaking of the Chiefs, and, and here at KMOX, we are St. Louis's home for uh, Chiefs football. They've lost two of their last three, three of their last five, four of their last seven, but they're still the Chiefs. They're still I, – I have this internal struggle when I talk about them because I see a wide receiver group that just is not doing anything to help them out, but I keep saying to myself, well, the Chiefs are going to figure it out. Are they going to figure it out, or is this the year where maybe they go into the offseason and they have to start to retool a little bit? I think this is who they are right now in that they are not this overpowering team that they might have been last year, the year before, the year before. I think if you look up and down the Ravens, the Ravens are definitely a stronger team than the Kansas City Chiefs. I think you can make an argument for the Miami Dolphins, uh, you know, even though when they face better competition, they're not the same. Uh, They seem to be a little stronger right now. The Bills right now are stronger, but, you know, wait a couple weeks. The Bills will be goofy. I think the one thing the Chiefs can do for themselves right now, they've started to really emphasize Rasheed Rice. He's growing into his role. I see he has 68 catches on the year. Make him the number one wide receiver with you know Travis Kelsey, obviously the number one target overall. And the other thing, I, I don't want to see Kadarius Tony anymore. I, I hope Chiefs fans are in the same place. Are we done with this individual? You know, he almost cost them the game against the Patriots. Forget the games he did cost them. He almost cost them the Patriots game by, like, bouncing the ball in the air and, like, tossing it to a defender practically. I don't know what the rationale is for keeping this guy out there. That I don't know what he brings to the table that's so special that overcomes these blunders. they got to get him out of the game plan, out of the lineup, and just replace him. Even replacing him with an incomplete pass is better than replacing him with an interception or a touchdown callback because you don't know how to line up. Let me finish you off with this. The the Aaron Rodgers situation now looks pretty clear. He's not going to try to come back. Obviously, the Jets have been eliminated from playoff contention. How much of just a missed opportunity was it this year for the Jets? And their their inability, outside that one game a couple weeks ago, their inability to just score and do anything offensively, what does that say about that organization and where they're at, knowing that they're going to move forward and have Aaron Rodgers for next season? You know, they signed up for this clown show and they signed up for the circus. So when the monkeys get loose, that's on them. I just have to say, you know, Aaron Rodgers is out there saying, well, you know, uh, I really never was going to be 100%. What are you talking about? He's making interviews like that with with McAfee. And the entire thing has been a sideshow on that side of things. And, uh, you know, okay, he's out. So this team doesn't have the season they're supposed to have. Well, I'm looking at the, at the standings right now, and the Cleveland Browns are 9-5 and five with Joe Flacco, Dorian Thompson, Robinson, P.J. Walker at quarterback. I look at the Bengals 8-6 and six right now with Jake Browning at quarterback. I look at the uh, Colts at 8-6 and six with Gardner Minshew at quarterback for a big chunk of the year. We can go down and we can find some other teams with impressive records with their backup quarterbacks. The Vikings are seven and seven with guys they pulled off the street at the last minute. There is no excuse for five and nine when Zach Wilson, your starter for two years, is there. When you didn't have that many injuries, yeah, you had injuries on the line, not that many injuries on the defense. This is organizationally 
tying yourself in knots with this Aaron Rodgers situation that you cannot untie yourself, that you can't get another quarterback, that you're stuck with an offensive coordinator who's there because he's the quarterback's buddy. The Jets made this bed. They slept in it this year, and they're going to sleep in it next year because Aaron Rodgers is going to come back at 40-ish, and he's not going to be Tom Brady. He's going to be Brett Favre at the end of his career, and they're going to have another season of intrigues, and, and, and side dramas and not that many wins on the field. All right, so I love having you on. Uh, the, I love talking about what you guys are doing at The Messenger. We just had uh, Scott Miller on the other day. Uh, oh, nice. Seth Davis is part of the team. You guys have put together a really strong group of, of sports journalism at The Messenger, and I'm not sure. I, I think the vast majority of people, quite honestly, don't realize that this site exists right now, and it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's fantastic. So before we get you out of here, g- give a plug for what you got going on because this is a this is a, a great group of writers and really solid sports journalism that's coming out of the messenger. Thank you very much, and do spread the word because what we've got going on is NFL coverage. We've got college football coverage with Ryan Natty spearheading that. We got Mike Renner here on the football side of things. He's going to be covering draft more and more as things go on. And you mentioned a lot of the people we have on other sports. So absolutely, you got to come out to the Messenger. We are a full service. We are like a newspaper. You got politics, news, business, entertainment, all those things, tech, and if we got sports. Check the whole thing out, but definitely check out the sports section. We talk analytics. We have fun. We talk a little bit about props. We talk fantasy, and we talk about what's going on in the field as well. Yeah, it's fantastic. Themessenger.com. Make sure to check it out for yourself. Mike, we always appreciate you taking some time with us. Have a very Merry Christmas, and I'm sure we'll talk to you in the new year. Thank you. Merry Christmas to all who celebrate, and to everyone. Enjoy the rest of your week. Awesome. Very, very uh, good. That is uh, Mike Tanier joining us here on the program. Again, at Mike Tanier on Twitter. And go to The Messenger. Read it. It's uh, it's good stuff. It's uh, They've put together a, truly a great staff, a great sports staff there. And uh, you can get some, uh, some really good uh, sports coverage there at The Messenger if you want to check it out for yourself. One more break. We'll come back. We'll wrap things up as we roll on with the Gray Bar Sports Overline on KMOX. Happy Starting to wrap up this edition of a Gray Bar Sports Open Line on KMOX. My name is Matt Pauley. Tomorrow night, slew basketball, so we will not have a show. Big game. See if they can get a big road win tomorrow at NC State. That would be... That would be that signature non-conference win if they can uh, pull it off. They've certainly been playing better basketball lately. Coverage at 5.45 tomorrow night with Bob Ramsey and Earl Austin Jr. And then we're back for a short show on Thursday in front of Thursday Night Football. And this week, Countdown to Opening Day will be on Friday. Countdown to Opening Day. But a reminder for you, put this on your calendar. Thursday, uh, 12.30 in the afternoon, head to Cardinal Nation Restaurant inside of Ballpark Village, Benji Molina is going to be there along uh, with uh, Mike Claiborne and myself. And uh, we're going to be talking for 40, 45 minutes, recording something for this week's uh, Countdown to Opening Day show. But your chance to uh, meet Benji Molina, get some great food at uh, Cardinal Nation. So make sure to uh, check that out. That's going to be coming up on Thursday at 1230. Would love to see you there. Mentioned in our last segment the interview that uh, Drew Locke did last night with Lisa Salters after the Seahawks uh, got the win against the uh, against the Eagles. If you haven't heard it, it's fantastic. Wanted to play it for you. This is uh, courtesy of ESPN and the NFL. Amazing won't do it justice. Amazing won't do it justice. But amazing also doesn't do justice. But the O line, what DK did on that catch, what the receivers did, what Ken Walker, Zach Charbonnet did all game long. The tight ends, man. 
it takes a special group to rally around a guy that you know, has come into his second game of the year, right? Used to the same thing all year long, same cadence, same spin of the ball, everything. For a team like that, not just the offense, the defense to rally around me tonight, man, that was that was amazing. I see some I hear some emotion in your voice. Yeah. It's been a long time. It's been a long time. Um, I'm just blessed. I'm just blessed. Blessed with a great group of guys, a great city, great coaching staff. It's just, it's, it's awesome. It's a wow. Drew, when did you even know you were going to be playing tonight? Oh, there's a long story going into that one. But I kept the mentality that I was going to play, regardless of what was going on, how people were looking and whatnot. I was just like, you know what, you're going to go out there and play. So just be ready to play. Found out when we got here that I was going to get the nod and roll the dice, baby. Let's go. Take us back to the touchdown pass to, to Jackson. Just what was the play call? Take me through. Yeah. I mean, I, I'll remember that play call for the rest of my life. But um, we're breaking the huddle. I knew Jax had the one-on-one. -on -one. Good reminder from Shane in the headset. I said, hey, Jax, if you're one-on-one, -on -one, I'm throwing you this pill. Sure enough. Gave us a one-on-one -on -one look. Corner was soft. Jax hit him with some speed. Back pylon, back box throw, came down with it. Again, Drew, we can see the emotion on your face. We can hear it in your voice. Can you can you just describe what you're feeling in your heart right now? Yeah, it's so hard. It's so hard to describe the feeling of, you know, not playing for so long, or at least what feels like a really long time to me. And then you sit there, you watch games, you wonder, can I do this still? I haven't been out there on the field. That's the human nature of it. You get back out there last week, I'm like, you know what? I'm the man, so I can go do this. And then you got another test this week where I didn't know if I was going to play or not. Sure enough, ended up playing. We're playing the Eagles tonight. And the, the boys around me rallied tonight. And it just, gosh, it feels so good. It feels so good. I'm so proud of everybody tonight. Congratulations to you. We're all happy for you. Congrats. Happy holidays. So that was a fantastic interview. And we've only got about a minute left, but very quickly on that. First off, I think that was 100% genuine. I'm, I'm not, what I'm about to say does not mean to say that it's not. Every athlete should listen to that interview and see the impact of it. People love Drew Locke right now. Not just here in the state of Missouri. Everywhere. That was all over Twitter today. Everybody loves him. And it's not just because he rallied the team to a win last night. It's because of that interview. He was humble. He had perspective. He was giving credit to all of his teammates. He, he didn't talk about himself. He talked about everybody else. He's talking about what the coaches are saying to him in the headset. It, just all the support he was getting. Everybody loves him. You want to be loved as an athlete? Do that. Do that. Great story. Great finish. Really fun, uh, but that interview, man, that's something that uh, a lot of athletes can certainly learn from. At your service, on the way next, I'm Matt Pauley. This has been Sports Open Line on KMOX. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.